Today we're talking about 1999 Deluxe. It came out on November 29, 2019, and it comprised six discs of material. We'll be talking about two discs of material, namely the vault material in this podcast, but I'm bringing up Prince Bolt right now on my computer screen. I see that the first disc of Vault Tracks uh, was recorded between November 1981 and April 1982. Let's get right into it. Or did you have any notes to uh, go through beforehand, Dreamy Pop? There's this thing in the Prince community about bootlegs, and when I started really going into him, people at Prince.org was where I got my start, and people were saying, like, you're not going to really get it, fully get into this or appreciate this until you, like, own bootlegs. Well... They, they they have a policy where we can discuss them, but there's no exchanging. But it, it does happen, like between fans, I'm sure. Um, but mo- a few of these songs I had known beforehand, like at least ten of them, I think. Some I know better than others, and some I had been listening to for like several years. So it, it's really cool to have like a bunch of them just in, like, better quality, especially some of my personal favorites, so. Yeah, oh, to add on to that, I would say that this is the best posthumous release yet by the Prince of State, and uh, honestly, I don't know how they're going to top this, but I was thinking about it early this morning, and the only real way they could top this would be, like, a 16-disc deluxe side of the times but the price point for that would be insane. So that's Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. The first track is Fill You Up, the first demo version from 1981. We, we know that he eventually released this in a revised form in 1989 as a B-side to Party Man, I believe it was. Sounds uh, about right. I have heard this on bootleg before several years ago, and the vocals were buried so far down in the mix that I could barely hear them. So to have this version in this audio quality to where you could hear the vocals very clearly is really nice to have. And uh, it's one of those long jams, so it fits in with 1999 uh, pretty well being a longer track and uh, I really like it. I I go back and forth as to whether I prefer the 1989 version or this version um, and I'll, I'll say that a lot for quite a few of these tracks uh, that were released in other forms in later years officially released. I go back and forth between do I like the original version, or do I like the version that Prince updated and eventually released on another separate project? So, uh, but I like this track. It's funky. The synths are really, really funky. Uh, they're probably my favorite part of the song. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's a classic Prince groove and uh, cool to have in this quality. Dreamy Pop, what do you think of Fill You Up? <laughs> this is a long story. Um, I'm going to try not to go too long about it, but I have I have a, an interesting history with this particular song. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was, my first set of bootlegs that I got, I, this was one of the, the songs. I wouldn't say one of the first, but I certainly got, got to it within that first, that summer. I think I had a summer where it's like I had nothing to do, so I was really heavily getting into like all things Prince at the time. But I was like really in a, a good place where I was like I was like head over heels, really enjoying myself and just enjoying my time with him. And I got to this song, and then I didn't listen to him for a couple of days. It's like it's a weird contrast, like 
like hearing songs like 17 days where it's like, it's like, you just want to like, like just from a female perspective, you kind of like want to be like, Oh, poor Prince. I want to be with him. That sort of thing. And then it gets to this point where it's like, like, I only, I only want this. I only don't want to really want to be your man. And it's like, I, it was like, a, it, it was, I don't know. I got really weirdly turned off for a couple of days. Like with like a, a lot of, like some fans in the the community were like thinking, it's like you're you're not going to make it in this if you can't. Like you're such a prude, you can't handle that that explicit side of him. But it's like I did eventually come back, and I'm still here, obviously. But I think I I heard this version maybe once, and like maybe twice, just with this new this new version. It's like the quality is really good, and the spacey sense they're almost like I don't know UFO sense. They're kind of they're a little freaky, and they, but they do stick in your head. And it's and the, the the drum track is very like demo-y, but with with some songs, I kind of like that effect. So I did eventually get to the the Camille version that got review, released later on with like as a B side for for uh, for Party Man. I I much prefer the Camille version just because it. It's a little easier for me personally to handle just because it sounds like a character more than it's actually him. Like he's doing the the Jamie Starr voice with this one, where he did some songs earlier and like this for this out this uh, I wouldn't say album this compilation, where it's like he used that voice when he was like really pissed off and stuff like that. <laughs> but with Camille, it's it's, it's definitely that version's a, a better version for me, and also Eric Lee's kind of taking over, like, doing the saxophone parts where the synth parts were. Like, he he does really well on that particular version. So I just wanted to put that out there with the the, con, the whole contrast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that totally makes sense. And, yeah, you mentioned Eric Lee. Shout out to Eric. I mean, everything that he's on, he shines on. So it's pretty awesome. But yeah, I, I I like this track, but I think overall I prefer the '89 version as released, you know, with Camille on vocals. But then we segue into another demo version of a track that was eventually released as a B-side, and the, the B-side version was the first appearance on record of Sheila E. in the Prince world. And of course, we're talking about Irresistible Bitch. Dreamy Pop, do you want to get us started on this track? Yeah, first of all, I do really like the fact they kept that these two songs together. Like they they sang so seamlessly, like on the disc that like you kind of don't know where one starts and the other begins. It's a really cool effect, and it was nice they kept that in. But yeah, this is one of those really tough ones, like in a good way, where it's like I don't know which version I prefer. Sometimes I really, really prefer this version because, like, man, that the synth stabs on the chorus like just gets you going. Like, it's like, oh man, this it it sounds so cool. Like every time you hear it, and and the headphones it like kind of goes like side to side. And then I was listening to it the other day. It's like the bass, like it is like really something. It's like it can it goes on forever. That's a really cool part, and. And the the vocals on both versions, like they're interesting. Like this one, he's like really pissed off, and the other one, he's like, like oh poor me, it's like I I can't resist. It's like it, it's two sides of the same coin, really. And then, but I don't know. There's maybe more cool cool little things in this one. And then like towards the end, it just like breaks down. It's just stick and grease guitar, and then the synths like come in a little bit, and it's like a little stop and start, and then it ends. So between the two, it's like almost like a a virtual tie. There's some parts I really like and prefer on each version. Yeah, all the things you mentioned. I mean, the synths and the chorus. I mean, are just crazy, crazy good. And then the bass, like you say. I mean, I hate to echo everything you say, but I mean, it's it's spot on what you said. I mean, this is a funky track, and it's an aggressive track. I remember reading somebody on Prince.org saying that they thought that possibly this could be the most aggressive 
we've ever heard Prince's voice on the track, and I would have to agree. I mean, he's practically screaming the whole song, so it's sort of like this manic sexual energy that he has going on, and it's really, uh, it's really striking and really remarkable, and yeah, I really like this version. It's really funky and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, the B side is a classic. You know, all respect to Sheila E. Sheila E. Uh, brought it on this track, but uh, this version, there's something raw and there's something kinetic about it. You know, so much movement and so much energy. Uh, it's a great, great track. I really love it. And the next track was a track considered for the time, uh, according to rumor, and it's a track called Money Don't Grow on Trees. And it's a very uh, bright, kind of popish sounding song. Very hard to pinpoint in terms of vibe, you know, in terms of comparing it to another song, but we'll see if we can figure something out between the two of us <laughs> uh, yeah. comparison for another song, but it, it reminds me of something else, but I can't quite figure out what that, what that song would be, but it's a very upbeat sort of song. And, and in terms of songs where Prince talks about money, this one's kind of unique because he kind of talks about, you know, he kind of talks about the the old baby boomer mentality. You know, my parents were always growing up, you know, we're always like, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, you know. So it kind of, kind of brings me back in that respect to my childhood. A very bright sounding song and, and very enjoyable. Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of my top favorites in the collection, but it's it's... It's really good. It sounds really good. Dreamy Pop, what do you think? Yeah, I like it overall. It's not one of those. It's a uh, middle of the road. I would say it's like I I enjoy it when it comes on, but it might not be something I like. Oh, I have to listen to this. Yeah, I don't know where I would pinpoint the sound. I mean, it it kind of sounds a little bit like something he would put out later in his career. I would say like I want to say like mid two thousands, but it could also have been. I don't know, like rock and roll love affair, like that. It kind of reminds me of that tiny bit. But what's oh the chorus, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the and the chorus, like the first time I heard it, it's like that kind of sounds like my taste. So baby, don't really care. And then I went through the album notes. I was reading the notes, like as I was going through the songs afterwards. And shout out to Twain Tudal for writing them. Like he did a great job. But he mentioned the my taste song in there. I'm like. Dude, we share a brain. <laughs> like, we have the same thought. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then I love the whole lyrics. Like, if you can't dance like Fred Astaire, you better get a college degree. It's like, the way he just, like, wrote that, just just rolls seamlessly. Like, that's a, I don't, I don't know how, how he did it. Just, you wouldn't think you'd be able to fit Fred Astaire into a song, like, with this kind of groove. But, yeah, he somehow managed. And yeah, maybe it runs a little long towards the end, but it's a nice listen overall, I would say. Yeah, it would have it been interesting if this would have ended up as a track for the time. Uh, I could I could almost hear Morris doing this actually, so that would be that would have been really interesting. But yeah, a good little track definitely gets your toe tapping. But then we move on to a track that caused a lot of controversy just for the title alone, but uh, based on the the title, I was thinking it was going to be another track like Weekend Funk or something like that, you know, really funky and dirty and nasty. It's really kind of a punkish pop sort of banger, I guess is how I would describe it. I mean... I really, really like it. It's really, really catchy. I've had it in my head for like the past five days or so. I just can't. It just won't leave my head. Uh, it's, it's, it's 
a great, great song. And, and uh, of course, we're talking about vagina. Uh, I have to say it. Uh, I'm legally obligated to say it. Uh, oh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> so, Dreamy, what do you think about this song? Oh, God. He had to make it weird by doing, giving this a title. It's like, like, even as a female, I can't even say the title. It's 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 like so terrible. That's fine. Like, you don't have to say it. I said it. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but the the worst part is like it's such a it's like it's such a good song. Like it's very like I don't want to say funky. It's like it's funky. Like every everything kind of is on the set, but it's a nice groove and it's very like the weird thing. I was listening to it the other day and there was like one little part of it was like the guitar and it reminded me of some other song. I think maybe off the truth, but I'm not entirely sure which one. But the the guitar comparing to me is like a like a couple of songs made me think of When You Were Mine from the Dirty Mind album. Yep. Yep. Like just the whole the whole concept is really cool. Like like the the chorus is catchy, half boy, half girl, best of both worlds. Like it that kind of sticks sticks in your head. And he androgyny was such a big thing with him and this is my maybe one of the first times that kind of came out but yeah it's like a catchy melody and it's like you'll kind of want to share it with people but the name kind of ruins that so yeah it's kind of unfortunate yeah i mean you could theoretically you could tell people that the name of the song is half boy half girl and that but that might still be awkward i'm I'm thinking about it in my head i'm thinking well that would be awkward too but uh yeah i mean this it's such a great song, and you mentioned the the Dirty Mind reference. I mean, it it really does sound like a cut from Dirty Mind. It's got that same sort of punkish sound, as I said, and sort of, you know, rebellious, risque, sexually charged vibe that a lot of the Dirty Mind album has. And um, it's one of Prince's better storytelling songs, I would say. You can really visualize it in your mind's eye as he's telling the story with the lyrics. You know, meeting this girl in a gay bar and, and seeing her kiss another girl and, and you know, and it's a very uh, vivid story that, that comes to mind in my head. But, yeah, the guitar work is just amazing and I, I could be wrong but I think it's I think it's just guitar and keys on this track I don't think there's any drums or yeah it's very things. sparse arrangement yeah very very sparse and uh yeah it's, it's it's just a great track it would be interesting to think about um if Prince was to pull this out of the vault was to pull this out of the vault in the past when he was with us and, and sort of add bass and drums, you know, to fill out the track, what it would have sounded like. But in, in the form it's on now, on 1999 Deluxe, it still sounds great. And, yeah, the the title is very polarizing and very controversial and, and sort of, as Dreamy Pop said, it's sort of, keeps you away from widely sharing it with your your friends that would possibly be into music like this. And it's a great song, and it's just a shame that the the controversial title, um, you know, doesn't lend itself to to sharing the song more widely. But, yeah, definitely one of the strongest outtakes on the set, and one of the major, major highlights for me, it's a definite earworm. It gets in your head and, and you can't you can't get it out. But yeah, great, great song. And definitely one of the highlights of both discs for me. And then we come to track five, which is Rearrange, which is an interesting track. When the French review of this outtake set uh, came in before it was officially released. Um, 
people were saying that it was basically lady cab driver with different lyrics and actually getting the album and actually getting a chance to hear it I would say that 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 description of it is too simplistic and doesn't give the song the respect it maybe deserves I think it's a great song it is it is highly reminiscent of Lady Cab Driver, but it's just different enough to make it its own unique thing. And it's also another one of the highlights for me on the set. I like the message of the song, you know, rearrange your mind, you know, get in the right mindset, get in a positive mindset. You know, the whole message of it is is very... Uh, intriguing to me and very very positive and very easy to get swept up in so dreamy pop what do you think of rearrange yeah i was gonna say it's like we're about to rearrange our brains y'all it's like that's a good way to cut and like begin it um yeah yeah i think that was mentioned and <laughs> interestingly that particular one was mentioned in another that we'll get to later on that was on Graffiti Bridge. But, yeah, this yes. is a really interesting one. So much happens in it. And this is one of those great grooves. Like, I listen to it. It's like I can't help but dance to it. It's, like, contagious. But I, I thought at first, like, I think it was the second listen, and I was on the, ver- the verses. I was thinking, it reminds me of a song by somebody else I listened to, uh, Jesse McCartney did the song Super Bad and the verses in that kind of, I don't know, maybe it's the bass or like the some sort of vibe, but something about just kind of felt like this or one felt like the other. But and then later on I was thinking how some of, maybe it was his vocal delivery, it made me think about some of his stuff with the time and I don't know if that was meant for them or not but it made me think of that, and then the guitar solo is, like, so unhinged and all over the place. It made me think about the one from 7391311. Yep, and then, yep. Yeah, and then, yeah, later on, it just goes and goes, and then there's, like, a lot of feedback towards the end, and it's just, like, and at first I thought, I was like, okay, can this end already? Like, I was kind of over it after, like, a little bit, but I don't know, sometimes I do get into it, and he I've done that in songs like like the long version of Computer Blue, and he did it with a, also like the, the end of Private Joy also. But he was clearly experimenting with like the feedback on his guitar and how far he could push it. Maybe he was like going for something. I'm not sure if it really came across and, or not like the way he wanted it to, but... Yeah, right, right. It really does. It really does remind me of a controversy era track with the with the guitar and, like you said, the, the end of Private Joy and maybe a little bit of the beginning of Ruddy Talk to Russia. That whole guitar feedback section uh, is very prevalent in this track as well. Yeah, good, good point. Uh, yeah, I really like this track and it's. Some people lose their minds over it or, or rearrange their brains over it, but uh, I'm not I'm not quite that high on it. But it is a it is a good track, and I haven't really I don't think there's any quote unquote bad tracks really in this collection. I mean they they all have something to offer and different unique sides of Prince, and I'm I'm glad to have them definitely. I, and this is a this is a great set, you know. Like I was saying before, it's it's probably the best posthumous release to date. And if the if the estate can keep up this kind of quality with their compilations, we're gonna have something special on our hands for many many years to come. So I'm very excited for the future and and this. Uh, this set just not only meets expectations, but I think exceeds them in a lot of ways. So I'm glad to have it in my hands. But yeah, that's rearranged. And 
next we get to another demo version of a later officially released track in 1990. It was reworked and re-released or released officially as New Power Generation, but it started all the way back in the early 80s as Bold Generation. So we have the early version of New Power Generation called Bold Generation, and this was another track that was rumored to be for Morris Day at the time. Morris is actually on drums, and interestingly enough, I know from Prince's friend and his analysis of this track and his comparison of it with New Power Generation on his YouTube channel, and if you haven't seen that, go and check it out. I'll leave a link to the to his video on the Facebook post for this podcast. But on both tracks, Prince kept Morris's drum track. So it's Prince and Morris in the studio, funking it up like they usually do. And this is a raw, you know, 1980s, you know, funk jam. Very, very different in vibe to what would eventually be released as New Power Generation. I love it with the piano, especially towards the middle and end of the track. The piano is super, super funky. Kind of hard to pick out. You kind of got to listen close, but it's it's really, really funky. And uh, Morris on the drums, as usual, is in the pocket and you know, rides the song, you know, the whole song perfectly in the pocket. Yeah, I really love this song. I mean, this is one of the tracks that I was thinking of earlier when I said that I go back and forth between whether I like this song better or whether I like New Power Generation. And both have pluses and minuses, but this track to me, is a definite standout on the album, and uh, definitely a song that makes you want to get up and dance, and, you know, has that signature Prince Minneapolis funk sound to it, so, and the message, as Prince's friend, again, I'm going to shout out, mentioned, the message of the song is a little bit different, this one is more rebellious, you know, we're never going to fight no war, no time for politics, whereas New Power Generation is more inclusive in its message, lay down your funky weapons, come join us on the floor, so that's an interesting aspect between the two versions, but yeah, I love this song, a definite highlight for me on the collection. So, Jimmy Pop, what are your thoughts on Bold Generation? Yeah, this was one of those songs when the information was released. And, like, so many people, their minds were blown because they had no idea that this was that was an older song. And then he did it all the way back in, like, 81, 82, so, like, including mine. And then I got to him, I was like, holy crap, it's, like, it's like so similar, but you know, listen to the lyrics and they're they're different. But, man, where do we even start with this? It's like, I kind of like that the, the the key that he sings in, it's different, so it kind of differentiates the two. And it, I, yeah, I'm, I'm torn between the two versions as well. I think I, if I could, I could almost, I wish I could almost put them together because I like how the other one resolved a, a bit more in this one. Sometimes it runs long for me, and it, it kind of goes nowhere after a while. But yeah, like the like the piano, it's like just that alone makes me wish I was a fly on the wall when he was recording this, because it must have been like a great day in the studio, just him being in like a really good mood. And the the line like the no time for politics, nobody wants, we don't want no war. It's like made me think about there was something like that in. It's going to be a beautiful night from time to time. Or they says, no time for politics. Nobody wants to fight. Everybody get up. It's going to be a beautiful night. Like So maybe that idea was kind of floating around his head and he finally he, he brought it out and it just maybe fit naturally and 
that particular song, but yeah, I'm just, <laughs> this, this is another really good one. It makes me smile, and I really get into it. Yeah, I'd like to sing along with it quite a bit. Yeah, it's 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 my it's a really great track. And then we've got for me this next track. You know, is an instrumental. I don't have much to say about it because I don't really get into instrumentals, with the exception of about five or six from Prince's career that I really love. Uh, this is a a funky song, a real pleasant instrumental to listen to, danceable, uh, but kind of, to me, kind of, kind of the only, the only real approaching throwaway status track that I can think of on this set. Not to say that it's totally forgettable, but it's an instrumental, and I kind of tend to tune out on instrumentals as a rule, and the the most interesting thing to me about this this uh, track is the story behind the title. The engineer in the studio that day was Peggy McCreary, and Prince asked Peggy what her middle name was, and she said Colleen, and that's what he decided to title the track. So just a, a random you know, a random idea for titling a track and an interesting story from the studio. But, yeah, as far as the song itself, I really don't have much to say about it. It's funky. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasant enough listen, but it's not enough of a standout for me to get real specific with. Dreamy Pop, what are your thoughts on Colleen? Yeah, I feel kind of bad about this because I was, I was trying to remember like all the songs that were on, on this like from memories as I was doing my notes. I completely, I keep forgetting about this one. Like I, I went through and was like, I'm missing like a couple, and like I was reading through some other parts. Like, oh, there it is. Yeah, the the funny thing about this set, like I put just three and four on my iPod just so I would be able to like like listen to them. I'm like my car doesn't have a CD player anymore, so I I hook up my iPod to my car. But the interesting thing is that disc three, for whatever reason, it didn't register on iTunes, so it just says tracks like I didn't put fill you up on there, but it, it just said like tracks two through thirteen. And then disc disc four, like all the the song titles came through, so I don't know what was with that. But I was going through the songs to listen listen to them, just the ones that I didn't know as well. And then I figured, it's like, I'll skip around this one. It's like, I went to, like, track eight, and it's like, I was like, oh, I know that one. Then, then it's like nine. It's like, oh, no. And then it's like, it's like, what am I missing? I go to seven. It's like, oh, no wonder I forgot this one. And it, I don't dislike it. I, I just, like, I'm, I would say I'm 50-50 with his instrumentals. Like, I either really like them or I don't. And I don't know. I, I maybe as more time passes, I will be like, yeah, this isn't so great. But at the moment, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of vibing off it. I'm enjoying it. And essentially, it's just like like uh, when drum claps, like some maybe some live drums and cymbals and plus like some guitar. And there's like, I think there's two different parts that just repeat over and over again, like go for like five minutes. But I don't know. Sometimes I, I when I listen to it, I just like, I zone out and vibe off it, and I, 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 I kind of like it, just the whole novelty of it. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, yeah, like you say, it's a, it's a pleasant listen, and you can vibe to it. And Prince in the studio, you know, anything Prince does is going to be, you know, of some value. But yeah, it's, it's kind of forgettable uh, in a way. It's a good enough song, but. Yeah, let's pass on to track number eight, International Lover. And this is one of two, I think, alternate studio takes in the collection on the compilation. And for me, this, again, is one of the highlights 
of the set. It's kind of a fly-on-the-wall moment where it's just Prince and Morris in the studio running through the song. And this is actually the first take of the song. And the the released version of 1999 was actually a later take. And I love everything about this. I love the fact that it's live. I love the fact that Prince is in a playful, funny, happy mood. And I love the fact that the vocals are in his normal register, whereas in the released version, you know, he sings in falsetto. But here he's in his normal register, and it sounds absolutely wonderful. And again, Morris on the drums, gotta give it up because they sound amazing. And Prince on the piano, uh, the piano might very well be my favorite instrument that Prince plays. I mean, on on the guitar, we all know that he was a god among men on guitar, but on piano, there's just something transcendent about Prince on the piano. And I don't know, I can't say enough about this song. I love it. I always kind of fell into that trap, you know, with other people where I thought International Lover as released on the album was kind of cheesy and kind of funny and kind of an afterthought of a song for me. But here it really stands out and really makes me really appreciate the song more than I ever did. And, uh, Prince's sense of humor and, and the the fact that he's laughing during the spoken ad lib is just one of those moments where it just makes you smile and, and warms your heart. At least it does for me. And uh, I can't say enough about this track. I just love it. Probably the highlight of disc three for me. What are your thoughts, Dreamy Pop? Yes, I was just thinking about one comment you made. You, you, there was an earlier uh, episode of this podcast where you guys reviewed it. What, didn't somebody say, like, uh, we haven't gotten to the most skippable song on the album yet. We got to the end of the album, and he's like, there it is. This is the most skippable song on the album. And I'm thinking, oh, you got to be kidding. <laughs> yeah, this is an interesting one just because, like, uh, man, where do I start? Like, it's really good. And sometimes I do wish that this was the version on the album, but having a live take would feel kind of out of place, I guess, with everything else, which is very studio-oriented. Yeah, one of my first notes I wrote down, like I'm not, I'm doing this off the top of my head, though, because, like, yeah, when Morris is on the drums, you can tell the difference. Like, he just hits, it with, hits them with, like, a little more purpose and more... I don't know, more attitude, and you can just feel it. And it's, like, really cool. It's just essentially those two guys in the room and Peggy Max doing the engineering at the time. And it just, it sounds like a, I don't know, the one thing I wrote, it's like a kind of paints an a funny picture where the, the guys are at the bar, like, at, at last call, and the place is almost empty. Like, maybe, I don't know, maybe not currently, but... It feels like maybe something from like an old movie, and but there's it's kind of a, a comedy and Peggy Max, the, the bartender, and the guys are just goofing around while they're doing the song. But sometimes I listen to it and I I kind of miss the falsetto, but because you expect it to be there. But I think I'd really prefer his version. It's really funny hearing him just like laugh his way through, like all the the uh, airline safety features and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that part is really great. And then, and I kind of like the ending where he's like, he, he like throughout he's instructing Morris and how to do, to do the drums and they vibe off each other really well. And he says, well, give it, give it that nice ending. He taps the cymbals a little bit. And then the piano playing is like, like you said, like really a, amazing a highlight off of this. And um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a sucker for a good ending, and he, like, you wait for it, wait for it, and then there's a nice little couple notes at the very end of it. It's like, yes, he did it. Yeah. It just completes it at the end. Yeah, just a, a, a sublime 
track, and like I said, it's it's like being a fly on the wall in the studio, you know, being able to hear moments like this, and and uh, after one of the more particularly racy lyrics, I can't remember exactly what it is, but Prince says, Peggy, are you listening? Yes, yeah, I think he said that somewhere. <laughs> it's so it's so funny, but uh, it definitely shows off Prince's sense of humor. But yeah, definitely the highlight of disc three for me, and uh, great song. And then we we get to one of my guilty pleasure songs. Actually, a lot of people that I talk to say that this is for them. This is pure '80s cheese that they can see being the music during the opening credits of uh, an 80s comedy movie like Ski School or one of those type of movies because it's just so steeped in the sound of the 1980s. But for me, it's a guilty pleasure, and that's turned it up. And I don't know what to say about this song other than it's danceable. It's it's to me. It's dance all the way. You know, like it, it's one of those tracks that makes you get up and move. I could definitely see this being on an album like Controversy. But actually, when Prince was developing the 1999 album, before he came up with the 1999 song, this was going to be the opening track of what would become the 1999 album. And I could sort of see that working because of the energy of the song. You know, it, it would be a great way to kickstart the album. Like, wow, here it is with this revved up energy and this dance track. I just love it. And his, his, his vocals, you know, there's so much energy. I get to keep reusing that word but it's just it's just pow in your face and I don't know I I, I love the song and I I really don't care if it's if it's you know totally 80s to the point of being cheesy I, I love it and it's one of the highlights for me again of this set uh, Dreamy Pop what do you think of Turn It Up yeah, this is an interesting one. It's like I think I, I, it's one of the bootlegs that I I've heard, and I think I've heard a couple of versions, but I haven't heard them in a long time. But I had an an interesting event happen with this one. Like I had it in my car, and I was heading home, and I was at a point where I think we were behind a school bus, and it it was like stopping. It was like a bunch of us just like waiting for a couple minutes, and this song came on. I don't like. Well, first of all, when I I first heard it on, I've heard it on my stereo the first couple of times, and it sounded to me like his his voice was like almost to the point of breaking. It was, I thought it was too loud, and but in the car it sounded like perfect. Maybe because I have better speakers in there, I don't know. But I was just really in a, it really hit me in a good way, and I was just like, you know, I was sitting there for like maybe. 10, 15 seconds or something waiting for us to go, and I was just, like, really getting into it. <laughs> like, yeah, very cheesy. He does repeat, like, turn it up, like, so much and so many different cheesy <laughs> radio metaphors, but it really works. But, yeah, I was getting into this so much, and, like, with my car, I think I was close to, like, having, like, like, my m- mileage was, like, almost, like, 33,333, something like that. And I missed it turning over, I think, by a couple minutes. And I think I blamed the song because I was really getting into the song. And, yeah, I didn't listen to it again. Like, I brought back some of the other songs I wasn't so familiar with. I knew it's like I was like I wasn't going to be able to concentrate on anything if I had this song on. I was, it's really fun and enjoyable. And then, like I, I was like burning almost so big, my 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 mouth started hurting. <laughs> <clears throat> cool. So yeah, it's, there there are certain songs that Prince does that to me are like a like the audio equivalent of sunshine, and this <laughs> is one of them. I think 
you know, just the brightness and the energy. Uh, I just love it. So to me, it's infectious. But yeah, turn it up. And then next, we've got a, a track that, again, is an interesting story. And again, I think involves Peggy Mack, right? The engineer. Yeah, I think this this might be it. This is the song that that he gave her on a cassette for her birthday. And it's a rockabilly song in the vein of Delirious and Horny Tone and songs like that. And it's it's only three minutes long. It's a good little song. It's fun to sing along to. I don't think it's quite that memorable as other rockabilly songs he's done in the past. But it's a it's a pleasant song and again a, a nice little bit of studio history to have documented on a set like this. Shreemy Pop, what do you think? This is another of those songs like I was trying to remember the songs off memory. This is one I forgot and then it's like Oh yeah, there's this this one. Like I really like it when I listen to it, but at the same time, like what's like the just the begin the way he like just like sings along and then gets to it. It's like it's like this is almost like exactly horny toad, but I'm I'm missing like all the synth stabs, like and the and like the, the percussion, and then there's like a solo somewhere in the middle. It's like the song doesn't have any of that. And it's, I don't know. It's like somewhere between. Tony Tone and Delirious, as far as the whole rockabilly thing he had going on, and it'd be cool just to so like all those songs kind of together, like maybe in some sort of order, so you can kind of see the evolution of that. But yeah, it was kind of cool how he was very, very in that vein in the early '80s. Yeah. And then we get to another absolute highlight that I'm sure a lot of people have been hearing for years on bootlegs. Uh, this is the original version of Something in the Water Does Not Compute. And Dreamy, I'll let you start us off on this one. I'm sure you got quite a bit to say on this track, on this version. Yeah, I do. Yeah, for me, for me this was... I think this might actually be the highlight of the, this disc for sure. Maybe, I'm not sure the, about the whole set. Uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I heard this one on bootleg as well, and I think I actually heard it before I even got the out the 1999 album, and I was really liking this. And then I got the album, and it's like, no, this sounds nothing like the other version. I was like really disappointed. <laughs> like if, if the one on the album, I don't know if the other one on the album feels like it's like colder and a little more emotional, I guess, and I don't know, there was something about it I never fully locked into, and then with this one, it's like, I think I like this one because it's more melodic, and like, the scents are very dreamy, I really like those, and yeah, I vibe off of it so much, and I think, yeah, I've listened to this stuff so many times, and it's nice to finally have, like, an official version, like, if if I ever go back, like, I think probably in oh, another something years, like, I went through all Prince's discography, and I did my 100 favorite songs of his, just figuring that out. It's like, like now that I ha- we have some of these other songs officially out, like, I'd like to integrate some of them in, and I'm probably integrate this one, as, as well as, like, the full version of Computer Blue. Like, like the album version's good, but... Like, after you hear, like, the other versions, like, you, you can't go back. You can't, you, you just miss out. Yeah, and I always, like, I sing along to this one, like, pretty much every, every time I listen to it. And then I think I was going through them. Uh, the, the first, some, some day this week I got up to this song and I'm, like, thinking, yeah, this is the last song I'm going to get you. I was almost home by that point. And it's like, I'm not going to be able to get to anything after that. So I'm just going to feed off this vibe and just let it ride. It's like, I'm, I'm probably not even doing justice to, like, how much I really like enjoying it. Oh, the piano, too. I'm going through my notes. I feel like the, there's, like, a little piano solo somewhere in the middle. It's like that 
that's an underrated instrument on this particular song. You hear the lindrum certainly, and definitely the sensor, like all dreaming, they create great, great, great atmosphere. But it's like, I don't know, maybe something about maybe it's not quite purple rain necessarily, but maybe the sense maybe maybe make me think about like some of the stuff on that album. It's maybe a little bit closer to that than 1999. I don't know, but definitely. In, Glad to have, really glad to have this one and pristine quality. It's really great. Yeah, the purple, the purple rain connection makes makes sense because he's kind of a, you know, the kid is kind of a tortured soul in that movie, and this is kind of a tortured soul, you know, type song. The the released album version is a lot, like you said, a lot colder and. It just feels a lot more stark. This feels a little bit warmer. I kind of wish this was the album version instead of what we got as the album version. I mean, I love, on the album version, it's got one of his best screams that I think he's ever done on record. But there's, there's something about this version that just that just resonates, I guess. Yeah, I really, really, really like it. Yeah. And then we get to track number 12, the second to last track on disc three. And this is a track that a lot of people, a lot of hardcore fans for many years only had about a minute and a half snippet of on bootlegs. And so people were itching to get their hands on the full version. And we finally got it here and it's called If It'll Make You Happy and it's a really really pleasant song to listen to it's another one of those songs that I I think of the time when I think of this song because I think of of Morris I think of the the style of Prince's vocal on this song sort of mimics Morris's style so I can almost hear Morris singing this song, but it's it's a, a really sublime, almost reggae feel to it. And um, I don't know, it, it just seems dripping with emotion and sincerity. It's great to have the full version finally on this set, and finally officially released. Uh, Dreamy Pop, what do you think of If It'll Make You Happy? Yeah, I hadn't heard of this particular song until getting the set. And it's like another one of the, like, like really pleasant surprises. Like, it's not the type of song you expect Prince to do. Like, it, it seems very simple in its construct. But I think this is, I have a feeling this is going to be one I'm going to be bringing out a lot. Like, there's this, like, I have a, uh, an unreleased version of, if I, uh, if I Love You Tonight, which he has his voice on it, like so many people have done their own versions, and like Maite was one of them. And just, I've been listening to that like a lot the last couple of years for obvious reasons, but I don't know, they're not entirely the same, but they are, they have that same lone, lonely, poor friends type of vibe. And it's like, like, I kind of like that particular space. And it's like, I, yeah, I'll definitely be listening to this a lot. And I'm, a few interesting things, I opened up, like, some of the notes on Principal. Apparently, it was one of the songs considered for Crystal Ball Volume 2, but it wasn't among the 17 the fans chose. So that would kind of suggest that, that maybe it didn't stand out as much as maybe some of the other possibilities. And also that Dickerson is... It has him on guitar and backing vocals, according to this. So that's I didn't didn't know that. So that's that's kind of nice to have him somewhere on one some one of these unreleased songs. Yeah, definitely. Then we get to the last track on disc three. It's a studio take, live studio take, take two of "How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore." And I believe it was actually take one that was officially released. 
as the B-side, the B-side to 1999. But this take is take two, and it's it's uh, longer. It's six minutes and 11 seconds. And again, it's one of those fly-on-the-wall moments uh, that's really, really <laughs> love to hear Prince in the studio just playing around with a song, and especially on piano. I, I love it. I love the sort of faster, choppier introduction on piano. I really, that that's really a standout aspect to me on the song. Uh, I know some people don't like it. They prefer the, the slower, more deliberate intro on the released B-side version. But I like the I like the the choppiness of the of the intro on this one. It adds some urgency and it, it really perks uh, your ears up and makes you wonder, you know, what's go- hey, what's going on? You know, uh, for me anyway, it does. But yeah, I mean, anytime you have Prince in the studio, just pulling around doing his thing, you know, it's. It's, it's tremendous to see him. And some of his vocals on this are like, wow. <laughs> like, I've always known and I've always said that, that Prince's vocals are, are second to none. But, you know, you take an example like this, and it's just, you know, a testament to the guy's talent. I mean, and the perfect way to close out a disc, too, i got to say. Actually, one of my favorite B-sides, I would say in the top, in the top five for me. I, I, I love the piano stuff, and, and uh, this is great. But I think overall, just because it's, it's, more, it's more polished, I guess, I like, I like the B-side version a little better. But it's, it's just, you know, sort of fly-on-the-wall moment I love the inclusion of this on the on the compilation. So, Dreamy Pop, what are your thoughts on how come you don't call me anymore? Take oh, love this one. Yeah, this, this is another interesting, like, I'm, a few songs. I, like, I I never had, like, the any official version of this. Like, I first heard this on Moodleg. But, yeah, this was one of those songs I went back to. I was going through his music, like, after, like, 2016 happened. And this this was like unearthing a gem and I just like fell in love with it and just that that emotional part like towards the end where he like it really felt like he was in the, his spirit was in the room and then have just and then having a live version also like that that's a really nice inclusion. I'm glad that they added it. And I I almost um any day it's like either version I could prefer over the other ultimately. But I I almost almost prefer having this one because there's only one vocal. So it and, and it's live in the studio so it feels really personal and it feels very like you uh, I I'm it's hard to even put into words. I'm almost speechless over it. Like like I just get in a vibe and in a mood with, with him just in, it's just the space with the two of us in it. And then I'll I'll listen to this and if I'm like like I don't know if anybody at work ever like we can we can listen to what I brought to work. That's not a big deal. But it's like I wonder if people at work you ever notice me, it's like I have the song on, it's like I'll just like pound on my desktop like what if I have a hand free or on my keys just really with like the the keyboards and the key, the piano on this particular song, and then I think the other day I was listening to it. And it's like I even was doing like the, the finger snaps like on the chorus. I was just like, yeah, it was just the two of us in that that headspace for like seven minutes or however long the song is. And yeah, maybe it does meander a little bit on the end as he's like kind of tried to like find a way to. To resolve it, but yeah, it's a really great piano performance for sure. Definitely, 
I'd like to say a great way to close out the disc. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.